Let's go to John chapter 15 and verse 13. I'm going to use that as the basis of what I want to say this morning. And so, John 15, 13, and you can stay seated. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. God, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the privilege I have of coming this morning and bringing your word to your people. Lord, I'm asking you that you anoint me at this hour to bring forth your word with all authority. Holy Spirit, free our spirits to be able to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to ask a question, sort of the, the basis of what I want to say this morning. What makes people do what they do? What makes people do what they do? What makes people give money to a cause, serve where they serve? What makes people one day get up, resign their jobs, sell their possessions, take their families, go to a different city, different state, and different country, and try to fix something that is broken in this world? Why do they do it? There's a missionary by the name of Mike Redding. I don't know if you've heard of him or ever heard of him. December of 2015, he was in a cafe with a pastor friend of his. And while they were there, Al-Qaeda terrorists came in and started shooting up the place. That day, Mike was killed. In 2010, Mike was a manager in a company that outfitted yachts and his wife, a graphic designer, Amy. And they were living the American dream. They had everything that anybody could ever want. And one day, Mike gets up, resigns his position, sells all his possessions, and they move to Burkina Faso, Africa. There, he ran an orphanage for children, a medical clinic, a place for abused women and, and widows, and he was dedicating his life to this calling he had felt in his life, and he had given everything up for this, and that day in December, he seals that calling with his life. Why did he do it? Why did he leave the comforts he had and go and follow this calling he had and then seal this calling with his life? I want to answer that question by stating that I believe the motivating reason why millions of people choose to do good in this world is because they see something wrong with this world and they say, I can't stand it anymore. I have to do something. They have 
when one author calls a Popeye moment. Now, if you're from my time, the baby boomer time, you know this character. Popeye, interesting character. You know, he had a way of walking when he walked. If he could take off his hat, he had three little hairs on his hat, the famous pipe. And then that tattoo, which was sort of an anchor, and his arms looked like they were swollen. And Popeye had this beautiful girlfriend. And uh, olive oil, there she is. And she had spaghetti legs, spaghetti arms, but she was beautiful in the eyes of Popeye. And so he, he was madly in love with olive oil. But he had a friend named Bluto or Brutus, and Brutus was always trying to steal Popeye's girlfriend all the time. And Popeye's one of these guys that he was tranquil. He, he didn't want him to look for trouble. He didn't look for trouble. But Pluto was always pushing his buttons and always trying to steal his girlfriend. And so, you know, he would just take him to the breaking point. And you know Popeye's famous words, this all I can, oh, come on, this all I can, I can't stand no more, grab that can of spinach, open it up, eat it, and just give Pluto a whooping. Do you remember the song that he sang as he went off into the sunset after beating on Pluto? Do you remember that song? I Popeye the Sailor Man I Popeye the Sailor Man I'm strong to the finish I want everybody singing it now Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man Come on I'm Popeye the Sailor Man Come on, come on, all right. I believe that these people that do these things have a Popeye moment. They say, that's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. So this morning, I want to take some time and some minutes to talk about some godly people that had a Popeye moment or what I call a holy discontent moment. This Popeye moment, I believe, was due to a single spark of frustration that became a raging fire in their souls. I believe that God permitted this single spark of frustration in the lives of these people to fire them up to do something that under normal circumstances they would never attempt to do. And so I want to look at some Popeye people this morning. And the first one I want to look at is a Bible character by the name of Moses. In Exodus chapter 2, 
and verse 11, it says that one day after Moses had grown up, he went up to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. Moses was a basket case from the moment he was born. You know the story, Pharaoh killing all the males. Mother makes a little basket, sends them down the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter sees them, opens up the basket, sees this beautiful little kid. You know the story, the sister comes, and then the baby's taken to the mother. She has him for a while, and no doubt that's where he learns he's a Hebrew. And then he comes back to the palace, and he grows up with a silver spoon, or if it's Egypt, a gold spoon in his mouth. But he always knew he was a Hebrew. But he was living the Egyptian life accidentally. Pharaoh had built his empire and his economy on the backs of the Hebrew people. The Egyptian overlords were without mercy and no pity, had no compassion on the Hebrew children. Hebrew men had no rights and they had no hope of ever being free. They were constantly being pushed past the point of exhaustion in the swelling midday sun as they made bricks for Pharaoh's construction projects. It's in this context that we find Moses looking around. His heart is heavy as he sees firsthand the oppression his people were being forced to deal with. It's at this moment that he sees a situation that really hurts him. He sees an Egyptian overlord beating a Hebrew brother without mercy. And something snaps in Moses, and he has what I call a Popeye moment. That's all. I can stand. I can't stand no more. And so he runs over, and he tries to separate the Egyptian overlord from beating on the Hebrew. A fight ensues, and you know the story. Moses kills the Egyptian. The next day, Moses comes. And he sees two Hebrews fighting. And he remembers the day before and he can see the cracking of the jaw and the broken teeth and and the splattering of the blood. And so he interferes to stop them. The Hebrew people are imploding and they're fighting against each other. And so Moses comes to stop and of course he's confronted and say, hey, who made you the liberator? You think you're going to do what you did to that Egyptian to me? And then you know the story. Moses goes off to the desert to learn what it is a shepherd of sheep. And he's prepared to take Israel out of Egypt after 400 years of oppression. He's launched into his calling by this Popeye moment. The 50s and the 60s were a time of racial oppression in the United States. White only signs on drinking fountains in bathrooms and doors to restaurants were everywhere in the South. There was laws that made blacks be pushed to the back of the bus or forced to give up their seats for white people. Education, employment, and housing opportunities were being denied to the blacks. It's at this time that a young black man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr., has a Popeye moment. A spark of frustration is ignited in his soul 
and probably in the privacy of his soul, he says, that's all I can stand. I can't stand anymore. It was this holy, discontent moment that launched the most famous civil rights movement in history and broke the back of racism, prejudice, and segregation. And for the rest of his short life, he dedicates himself to racial reconciliation. August 26, 1963. On the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, Washington, D.C., he brings forth his famous I Have a Dream speech. And I want to give you a synopsis this morning. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having in his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day, there in Alabama, little black girls and little black boys will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. In 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his holy indignation. In 1968, in a Memphis hotel, he sealed his holy discontent with his life. Martin Luther King, Jr. She was a little frail nun, geography teacher in Calcutta, India. And she taught girls in that school, St. Mary's High School, the love of God, but also inspired them to be something in this world. It was during these walks to the high school that she noticed the poor, the rejected, the sick, the diseased that were on the streets of Calcutta. It was an awful sight. Sick people, leopards, rejected by society, rejected by their families, rejected by their hospitals. And every day she would see this. And there came a point where she said, I can't stand it anymore. Something has to be done. And so she resigns her position and begins to help these poor people on the street, the rejected, the ones that nobody wanted. They were literally dying on the street, withering away on the street. And she forms what is now known as the Missionaries of Charity, or as some named it, the Saints of the Gutters. She started with a small group of volunteers, helping those who no one wanted to help. Today, that charity numbers over 4,000 nuns who have dedicated themselves to helping the poor. And in 1979, won the Nobel Peace Prize for her humanitarian work. Her name, Mother Teresa. Little lady, smaller than me, who maybe didn't have much to give, but there was that Popeye moment 
when she saw those people suffering and she said, this is all I can stand. I've got to do something. And she launches out. The church was against her. Society was against her. That problem was overwhelming, but she went forward. She stuck to it. And she's known for having foundations all over the world, including here in the United States, and clinics that help people that are dying and that are rejected and that nobody wants. As a young man, his world was rocked when he came across a verse in the Bible that said, go into all the world and tell everybody about God's love. In 1949, and that's a good year, I was born that year. In 1949, this young man had a Popeye moment. And he said, I can't stand it anymore. I can't stand seeing people going through life without knowing the love of God. Can't stand it. And so there's this spark of frustration that causes this fire in him. And so he forms a Christian organization because of this holy indignation, the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. And he dedicates the rest of his life telling people all over the world about the love of God. I don't know if you ever had the privilege of being in one of Billy Graham's campaign. I went to one. It was incredible. All he spoke about was John 3.16. A nine-year-old or a 90-year-old could understand his message. Very simple message. This Popeye moment launched him in to this calling. And for the next 60 years, he dedicates himself in filling stadiums in every conceivable part of the world, preaching the simple message of John 3.16. Today, his ministry reaches over 210 million people in 185 countries. Now, there's a holy discontent and there's a Popeye moment. And now his son, Franklin Graham, has taken the baton. And they're reaching thousands and millions of people. A Popeye moment. A spark of frustration. That it comes into somebody's life. And a fire comes in him. And he launches out to do what God has called them to do. Now, these people that I'm talking about are people that saw something broken in this world and they decided to do something about it. I'm not talking about people that cause more brokenness to this world. I don't, I don't want to deal with those people. I want to deal with people that say, hey, there's something broken here and I can do something about it. They don't pass the baton. They deal with it. 
because this spark of frustration is in their heart and they launch out. At the age of 12, abandoned by his mother's on a street corner, check this out, at the age of 12, abandoned by his mother on a street corner, he waited three days for his mother to come back. She never came back. A Christian brother, after three days, on his way to see his sick son at the hospital, picked him up and fed him. Not too long after that, he paid his way to go to a Sunday school camp where he accepted the Lord in his life. And the incredible journey in his life begins. And to make a long story short, grows up, goes to Southeastern Bible College, comes out, is he a children's pastor in one of the churches, and then he moves to New York. As he paces the streets, he noticed so many hurting children in one of the worst parts of Brooklyn, New York. He sees the children, sick, dirty, abandoned. Some of them using drugs, nobody caring for them. Parents on drugs and all messed up. And all of a sudden, there's a spark of frustration that ignites a fire as he remembers his childhood. This is all I can stand. I can't stand anymore. He has a Popeye moment. And in 1980, establishes what today is known as Metro World Child. And one of the roughest boroughs in New York most commonly known for his history of gang violence, crime, drugs, poverty. This person has been beaten, stabbed, and shot in the face. Despite everyone telling him this could not be done, despite what the enemy tried to do to kill him, through all the difficult times, he preserved and refused to leave the area or give up on the children growing up in such an environment. Today, he has over 200 locations, five boroughs of New York, picks up over 20,000 children a week, bring them to Sunday school or gives them Sunday school in the streets. And now he's gone worldwide, 150,000 children every Sunday that he ministers to. Come on. His name, Bill Wilson. There he is. Beaten. Stab. Oh, he's had some plane crashes too. And shot in the face. But he had a holy discontent moment. He had his Popeye moment. His life has changed. He couldn't turn back. And today, that organization is a powerful organization reaching the children of our country. There's other Popeye people. Gandhi in India. Mandela in South Africa. 
And I want to end this morning with somebody you might know. He was a pastor. Was doing fine, thought he was going to serve the rest of his time as a pastor in the church. And one day, a friend of his, presbyter, comes up and says, hey, I need you to go help out a church that's going through some real difficult problems. And so when his friend tells him what the church was, he goes, no way, I ain't going there. Mm-mm. I'm fine right here. Pray about it. I don't have to pray about what I know. I don't have to pray about what I know. But the presbyter somehow convinced him, and he comes to preach at that church. And and after he leaves, a spark of frustration comes into his heart. He has a Popeye moment. He understands that God is calling him, and he says, I This is all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Resigns from his church and goes to that church that is in dire need. Might be closing down in a few months. It's in a tough situation. Begins to work with the elders of the church. God begins to bless the church. Finances begin to come in miraculously. And then he begins to have Popeye moments every other month. And so he comes to the church and he, he, he scouts the area and he says, hey, the roof's got to be fixed. The air conditioners have to be fixed. He has a Popeye moment. He fixes those. Then he notices all the rooms that need to be painted and fixed and rugs need to be changed. And he has a Popeye moment and he changes everything. And then he comes into the parking lot. Oh, wait a minute. This parking lot needs some new pavement. It needs to be fixed. I mean, this is where people are going to come and and put their cars. So he has another Popeye moment, and he fixes the whole parking lot. But he doesn't end there. He goes into the gym. And he says, well, the first thing is we've got to start a Spanish service, and we've got to find a pastor that will pastor that. And so this Popeye moment, he finds a pastor and he puts him in there and a Spanish congregation starts. But the Popeye moments don't end there. He's having a Popeye moment every month, I'm telling you. So he comes into the sanctuary and there are these beautiful pews. I mean, you can line them up, and there's miles and miles of pews. Well, those pews were beautiful pews, and they served their purpose. They did. But he says, well, you know what? And he has a pop on one. He said, that's it. We're going to change everything in, this, in the sanctuary. And he pulls out the rug, <laughs> pulls out the benches. <laughs> and people that, that know the church would come and say, what's happening here? Pastor gone crazy. No, he's having Popeye moments. So he takes out the benches, puts in a new rug, puts in these seats, all different colors. People come in and say, what is happening here? The pastor 
and the elders are having Popeye moments. And I'm going to tell you, if you belong to that church, you're going to get contaminated with Popeye moments. Now, if you know this guy I'm going to put on the screen, just give a big shout. There's a Popeye guy if I've ever seen him. This Popeye moment can overtake you in an instant. You're going about your business doing life as usual when suddenly something happens that awakens your awareness and jolts your soul. A heartbreaking personal experience. A national calamity. An injustice to someone close to you. Whatever it is, you can't take it lying down. And you say, this is all. I can stand. I can't stand no more. It's a defining moment. Your eyes are opened up. And you might just hear God saying, I feel the same way. It's not only your frustration, says God but mine too. What do you think? Why don't we join together and fix this problem together? I don't know where you are in your journey. I, I don't know if you've had these Popeye moments where a spark of frustration has come into your heart And this fire has begun in your life. And maybe you say, this is crazy, man. I I can't do this. And and you might say, Pastor, what what do I do? I've had those Popeye moments. God has called me to do something. Feed it. Feed it. Follow it. That's God talking to you. See, the Holy Spirit speaks through visions and dreams and revelations. That crazy thing is just what God wants to use to fix something broken in this world. I don't know what it could be. Maybe you felt like feeding people from the trunk of your car. Put in an icebox and and some sandwiches, and on Saturday, getting up early and going where where the homeless are and feeding them out of your trunk and showing the love of Jesus Christ and giving them something to eat, but then giving them the Word of God. Or maybe God has called you to use a lot of that money that you got in the bank just getting interest and putting that money in the kingdom. Ouch, that hurts. whatever it might be. Maybe you say, hey, I've got to help in children's ministry. I've got to help Dana in the youth ministry. I've got to help in the transition ministry. Pastor Jeff, hey, by the way, if you've got a bus license or a truck license, please see Pastor Jeff. 
He can use you. I don't know. You know, there was one brother here many months ago. And if you're here, I'm going to shout you out. He told me, you know, Pastor, I'd like to get a tent <laughs> and put it up and have some evangelistic service. Brother, feed that thing. Brother, do it. That's God. It happened to Moses. It happened to Martin Luther King Jr. It happened to Billy Graham and Bill Wilson and the pastor of this church. What are you going to do? This morning, God has shouted you out. Are you going to respond? Thank you for joining us for Calvary Connect. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for our Sunday morning worship experience each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We're located right off I-4 at 1199 Clay Street. To connect more with Calvary, visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for watching and God bless. Mm -hmm.